You'll be saying wow every time you use this towel. He's not a person at all. He's a towel. You're a towel. But in Vancouver, mainly it's all about towel power. Are you ready? Alright, welcome to another episode of Power of the Purell, the quarantine version of Power of the Towel. I'm your host, Nick Bondi. Before you listen to any more, subscribe to the network, the Next Misconduct Network. You got this show, you got Sippin' on a 40, you got Silky and Filthy. We're still making content for everyone out there during... This quarantine when everyone's got to stay inside. Hey, listen to some podcasts. Good way to pass the time. I know that's what I've been doing. Now for this episode, we're going back to the 80s for both our season breakdown and our book club at the end. Both related to hockey, of course. Now, on this week's episode, I want to break down a season from a player that I think has been lost to the history books. I'm talking about Patrick Sundstrom's 1983-84 season. Now, he finished with 91 points, which back in 1983-84 wasn't a whole lot. 94 points would be a very good season in today's NHL, but back in the mid-80s, that was good for 23rd in league scoring. Now, why am I talking about a player who finished 23rd in league scoring? Well, it was the best offensive season for Vancouver Canuck up until that point. Yes, he was the first player to crack 90 points in a season for the Vancouver Canucks. Yes, the Vancouver Canucks. And this season for Patrick Sundstrom broke two records that still stand for the Vancouver Canucks. Most points in a game with seven most assists in a game with six. Both still records that stand for Vancouver Ducks. And Patrick Sundstrom. Yes, Patrick Sundstrom. One that I think, if you look through the history books of the Vancouver Canucks, maybe one of the most underrated players in Canucks history. This guy was good for a long time. For a few seasons with the Vancouver Canucks. He played on a line with Tony Tanti and Thomas Gradine. Now, I mentioned last episode, Tony Tanti had 45 goals. Yeah, he got 45 goals that year playing with Patrick Sundstrom. That season, the Canucks, they finished with 73 points in 80 games. Yeah, they played 80 games a season back then. Still good for a third in the division. That's That old Smythe division that year was not very good. But lost in the first round to Calgary. By three games, it went back when the first round was only five games. 
Uh, Patrick Sundstrom. This was not his first season with the Vancouver Canucks. No. This was actually his second season with the Vancouver Canucks. Before that, he finished with 46 points in 74 games. So in 80, 78 games, finished with 91 points, 38 goals, 53 assists. Heck of a season for a team like the Vancouver Canucks up until that point who hadn't had much success besides a miracle run to the finals just two years earlier. Patrick Sundstrom was playing in Sweden that year. Now, he was later shipped out of town on September 15th, 1987. You were asking yourself, who do they, who did the Canucks get back? Well, they got two pretty important players during the 90s, especially if you're a fan of those that 94 Canucks team that got the Game 7 in the Stanley Cup Finals. Kyle, I know you're listening to this. You can just forward, fast forward through this little segment. They got back two players. Kirk McLean and Greg Adams. Yeah, Greg Adams. Who scored the goal to send the Canucks to the Stanley Cup Final against the Toronto Maple Leafs in Game 5 in overtime. And Kirk McLean, who made the save, yes, that old-school two-pad stack save against Calgary just seven years later to send the Canucks to the second round. Patrick Sundstrom doesn't have that 91-point season. Patrick Sundstrom never plays for the Vancouver Canucks, so the Canucks don't get him over here. How, how How does the Canucks look in the 90s? Do they even go on this run to the Stanley Cup final. Kirk McLean, hey, just five years later in 91-92, it's actually a runner-up for the Vesna. Had a really good year that year. So, Patrick Sundstrom, 1983-84 season. Not only one of the most underrated seasons in Canucks history, also almost directly responsible for the 94 Cup run. I didn't really know much about Patrick Sundstrom before I started researching for this episode, but hey, it seems like he was a heck of a player. And maybe, maybe one of the best, most underrated centers the Canucks have ever had. If you look through the history books, he had a pretty he had a few solid seasons. After this, he was close to he was close to a point per game every year with the Canucks outside his first season. 91 points, and then 68 and 71, and then 66 and 79. And then 71 and 72 before being uh, shipped off to New Jersey, where he had a few good seasons as well. Had 20 points in 18 games in uh, in uh, in 88 with the Devils. So yeah, Patrick Sundstrom. Hopefully, I've brought this to light for you, for everyone out there. How good of a player Patrick Sundstrom was. All right, we're gonna take a bit of a break. Play an ad. When we get back, we are going to talk about the latest edition of the Power of the Purell Book Club. All right, welcome back to Power of the Purell. I'm your host, Nick Bonney. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at Power of the Towel, and of course myself on my personal account at Nick Bondi. N I C K B O N D I. Now, our latest edition 
of the power of the Purell Book Club. I'm bringing it back again to the 80s, and I'm bringing it to hockey. You may be missing hockey, and you want to read a good, want to read a good book about the subject. Now, I'm going to talk about probably the best, generally considered the best hockey book ever read, written. Sorry, I'm talking about The Game by Ken Dryden. I'm just going to read you Bill Simmons knows a thing or two about writing about sports. Here's uh, here's what he said about the book. The book makes me reconsider what I'm watching right now. What makes a player great? What makes a team come together or fall apart? Why can't teams win one title and just keep just keep winning? There's a game within the game. And really, I think that's why Dryden called his book The Game. When you measure the distance between the game and every other hockey book, well, maybe this was the greatest sports book given. Ever. Sorry. Hey. I praise. Now, what I like about this book is it takes you through the last season of that Montreal Canadiens dynasty, late 70s, 78, 79. And Ken Dryan just talks about, you know, everyone in the room knows it's one last kick at the can of his legendary Canadiens dynasty. And they talk about, you know, what it takes to be a winner, you know, the camaraderie within the room, all these great stories. These are great portraits on. Guy Lafleur and like Scotty Bowman and Bobby Orr talked about how everyone was shitting their pants essentially when they had to play Bobby Orr. But why I like this book so much is I think it will resonate, at least it did resonate with me a lot at the time I read it. Because it talks about, you know, he knows he's not going to be playing for much longer. He knows his team's probably on its last legs and he's thinking about what am I going to do next to transition from being a dominant athlete to having to be a regular guy. And at the time I first read this book, I was going through a similar change, albeit, you know, very uh, different circumstances. I was just finishing up my degree at SFU, and I realized that, hey, like this is this is the last time I'm going to be in this kind of learning environment unless I go back to school at some point. Who knows? But it was a, it's a very similar situation, I think, because you have to, the world you knew, up until I and I personally knew up until that point I've been going to school nonstop since I was five, and then at the time I read this book I was twenty two about to be twenty three about to graduate. It's going to be a totally different world, and that's like a large large uh, subject of this book is making that change and making that transition from being a pro athlete to having to think about your future outside of hockey. And I had to do the same thing. I had to think about what I wanted to do and how I wanted to go about things, not having the structure and, you know, the warm embrace of a post-secondary school that kind of set my schedule for me. So, yeah, the the book reflects a lot. Ken Dryden reflects a lot about life on the road, the spotlight, you know, on the ice as well. So if you're looking, if you're looking for a good, I I wouldn't even say it's an autobiography. It's just, it just talks about you know a season, the last season of uh, of that of those great Canadian dynasties, a great Canadian dynasty. Sorry, but if you're looking for a for a hockey book to read while you're stuck inside, needs to pass the time. There's no better book, I think, no better hockey book than Ken Dryden's The Game. Amazing book. I picked it up a few years ago, the 30th anniversary edition with Bill Simmons writing the foreword. That's where I got the quote from. And yeah, just a just a terrific, terrific hockey book. And you can tell 
is so well written. Maybe he got he got help, but you can tell this. There's no wonder this guy became a federal politician after after he retired. Like his books, like incredibly well written for a professional athlete. Not saying all professional athletes are dumb as rocks, but you don't expect something this well written from a from a pro athlete. And you learn a lot of interesting facts about Ken Dryden. Like he took a year out from his prime to you know work as a lawyer because that's what you had a law degree before he was starting playing hockey, which is wild. I didn't know that. But yeah, just a terrific hockey book in general. The game, Ken Dryden. Hey, buy it if you if you can. Maybe buy it from a local bookseller. I bought this from Amazon three years ago. You may not have the luxury now. Amazon Amazon shipping times are real real messed up right now. But anyways, that's it for this week's episode of Power of the PRL. Once again, this is Nick Bondi. Make sure to subscribe to the network, the Next Misconduct Network, wherever you get podcasts, Apple, Spotify, wherever. We're still making shows. Sip on a 40, Silky and Filthy, The Quickie. All doing real well right now. My name is Nick Bondi, and thank you for listening.